welcome in everyone to another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and we have a lot to get to today. And look, the biggest story in sports right now, Lamar Jackson. The Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which is $32 million for this year. However, because it's non-exclusive, other teams can negotiate a contract with Jackson. And if they agree to a contract, the Ravens can match. And if they choose not to match, they get two first-round picks from his new team. So instead of the exclusive tag, which would have been $45 million a year and no one could touch him, they go non-exclusive. Yes, it's less money. Yes, it's probably better for their own negotiations with him, but it is more of a risk. And there's a lot of teams that would be better if Lamar Jackson was their QB. I made a list off the top of my head. I came up with 20. I'm sure there may be even a few more. But I want to focus on four teams right now that I think would be great fits Lamar Jackson. I know I talked about him a few weeks ago with the Jets and what his availability might be. Mike Cadlick and I talked with him about the Atlanta Falcons and Lamar Jackson. But there's four teams overall that really stand out to me as really great fits for Lamar Jackson. And the first one is the Detroit Lions. You think about the Detroit Lions. Last year, they showed great improvement. They're bringing back Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, who led one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. They have DeAndre Swift. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Jamison Williams now healthy. And most importantly, they can carry the costs of Lamar Jackson. They have $23 million in cap space right now. They can create more if they need to. They have two first-round picks this year, two second-round picks this year, a first-round pick next year, and a first-round pick, excuse me, a second-round pick next year as well. So this is a team that has two firsts this year. They can give up one of those and another one next year, still have a first round pick, still two seconds and a second next year. So they don't have to worry about blowing up their draft or the front end of their drafts to get Lamar Jackson. So if I'm the Detroit Lions, I do everything I can to get Lamar Jackson. They have 23 million in cap space and they can create more if they need to. They have two first round picks this year and one next year as well. So they can afford to give up two first round picks and they'd still have one. And they have a dynamic offense led by Ben Johnson that's primed to really be the best team in the NFC North. They're going to be better than Green Bay. They're going to be better than Chicago. And with Lamar Jackson, they'd be better than Minnesota and they'd win that division. So Detroit for me, is the best destination for Lamar Jackson. I love that fit with him. And I love you look at their offense with Jared Goff. A lot of shifts, motion, play action, moving the quarterback around. Lamar Jackson does that a hell of a lot better than Jared Goff does. And they can even add the true quarterback run element into it. I think it would be a perfect fit. I have a lot of faith Ben Johnson would be able to bring the best out of Lamar Jackson. And hey, you're playing all your home games in a dome. You have at least one road game in Minnesota in a dome. So you're playing at least nine, if not 10 games every year in a dome, some years more. So you're not in the elements as much. Hopefully Ben Johnson can find another way or more ways to protect him as well. So I think to me, this is a great fit for Lamar Jackson. The other team, and this has been talked about, and there's been some rumors that this team has already kind of backed off from Lamar Jackson, the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I don't understand. Mike Cadlick talked about this last week on my show as well. And he said the Atlanta Falcons, and, and I agree with him, $67 million in cap space. I mean, if Lamar Jackson's looking for the Deshaun Watson deal, they can fit that right there without creating any more for this year or next. They have their own first round pick the next two years. So they'd give up two first, but they have a second this year. They have a second next year. So they'd still have second round picks and they'd have Lamar Jackson. 
They have Kyle Pitts there, which I think is a great weapon, probably a more talented overall weapon than what Mark Andrews is in Baltimore. And you saw how well Lamar Jackson was able to work with Mark Andrews. So I think Atlanta would be a phenomenal fit for Lamar Jackson. I like Detroit the most, but Atlanta's a close second. And that's another thing. You look at that division. I mentioned it with the NFC North. The NFC South is not very good. Derek Carr is in New Orleans now, so they will be better. But Tampa Bay lost Tom Brady. They were not the same team at the end of last year. They're undergoing a transition. They're not going to be very good. Carolina, I thought Steve Wilkes did a hell of a job with them. I thought they should have brought him back, but they're still rebuilding. They're not going to be very good this year. And New Orleans, I mentioned Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good player. I think Lamar Jackson on the Falcons can still beat the Saints with Derek Carr, or at the very least split with him. So you put Derek Carr on Atlanta in an NFC that is pretty inconsistent. Like the the NFC to me, you look at the Eagles just went to the Super Bowl, Dallas and the Giants are a playoff team, but I could see Dallas or the Giants not making it again this year. The NFC North, I could see them only sending one team. The NFC West, the Rams are going to take a step back. The Seahawks, we'll see. I think they'll be good and take a step forward. Arizona will take a step back. So there is room for the NFC South to send multiple teams to the playoffs. Now, I don't think they'll be good enough to do that, but I think if you put Lamar Jackson on the Falcons, they win that division or they finish a close enough second where they're probably a playoff team. But I really think they win that division if you put them on Atlanta. Third team on my list, the Las Vegas Raiders. $39 million in cap space can do just about his entire contract, at least for this year, without having to create any cap space. I might have to create a little, but you look at their draft capital. So they have a first-round pick this year, which is seventh overall, which is nice and enticing for the Ravens, too. Not that they have a say of which first-round picks they get, but still, they get the seventh overall pick. They have their second-round pick, and they have their first and their second next year. They have Josh Jacobs. They have Devontae Adams. They have Darren Waller. They have Hunter Renfro. And they have Josh McDaniels running the offense. And this is a team that last year, to me, was the most disappointing team in the NFL. They blew three 17-point leads in the first 10 weeks of the year. They really struggled throughout most of the second half of the season. They're up and down. If that's a team, if they just held on to some of the leads they had, probably a playoff team. And then threatening in the playoffs. They have a solid defense. They were a playoff team two years ago. So I think you put Lamar Jackson on that team for, yes, a big contract, but they have – look, I I know Mark Davis is one of the least wealthy, if you will, owners in the NFL. That's still a huge money stadium. They spend a lot of money on Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels. Last year, bringing those guys in, the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs isn't cheap. They've been willing to spend money. And I think if you put Lamar Jackson there, we saw – Josh McDaniels really only had a truly mobile quarterback one year, and that was 2020 with Cam Newton because, look, Tim Tebow, I don't view him as a mobile quarterback. I view him as a running back that sometimes could throw the ball poorly. So when you look at what they did with Cam Newton in New England in 2020, Cam Newton was not the same player that won an MVP. His arm was shot. He had 397 yards passing in week two against Seattle, and it was basically downhill passing-wise after that for the remainder of the season. He got seven wins out of Cam Newton, which – Look, seven wins is not good in the NFL, but if you look at that Patriots roster in 2020, that was a bad roster with a shell-of-himself quarterback. Josh McDaniels found a way to get some legit production and help get seven wins there. So I think with a better roster and a better player in Lamar Jackson, that's a playoff team. And again, the AFC West, they sent two teams to the playoffs this year. I could see them sending two, maybe three again. I still don't know if Denver figures it out. I think Denver will be better, but it's... 
and Sean Payton's a great coach, but still his first year there. I'd like to see if Russell Wilson really can bounce back. The Chargers will see if they take a step backwards after that really disappointing playoff loss in Jacksonville when they're up 27-0. So the door is open for the Raiders to be a wild card team. I don't think they're better than Kansas City with Lamar Jackson, but at the very least, they can compete with Kansas City, finish a close second, who knows, maybe win the division, but that's a playoff team. And then the fourth team, which I think is a great fit for Lamar Jackson. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the New York Jets. I mean, the talk right now is the New York Jets going to get Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to be willing to get Aaron Rodgers, you should be willing to go after Lamar Jackson. And the pro trouble with the Jets, they only have $3 million in cap space. Now, I know cap space can be created. Things can be moved around. But to go from three to 40 would take some extra maneuvering. But if they're willing to do it for Aaron Rodgers and his contract, Lamar Jackson is younger. He's more invested in being a player long-term and he's less of a headache. So I think, yeah, is Rodgers maybe a better pure passer? Sure. I'll give you that, but Lamar's not that far off and he's much more mobile. And the jets, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, truly the definition of a team that is only a quarterback away. They have a first and second round pick this year, next year. So they give up two first, get Lamar Jackson. They still have their second round picks. So for me, I think the Jets are a team, much like Detroit, that if they just got that quarterback, they're in the conference championship game. And I think you could make the case for the Raiders. I think Atlanta would still be maybe a year away from conference championship game material, but they'd be a playoff team with Lamar Jackson. But the Jets in Detroit, I think, would be conference championship teams with Lamar Jackson on their roster and maybe the Raiders as well, depending on how well that defense could play, which at times last year played great. So Lamar Jackson. Those four teams, to me, are great fits and should make hard presses for them. But there's some other teams, too. If I'm the New England Patriots, I consider getting Lamar Jackson. He's better than Mac Jones. And they have a decent amount of cap space now. They'd have to create some more. They got about $30 bucks. But he's better than Mac Jones. He'd still be a fit long-term. The Patriots liked him in 2018 in that draft. I think if you could give him truth serum, they might have wished they had drafted him. But the 49ers, talk about a quarterback away. It, that was a 7-7 NFC championship game midway through the second quarter, or late in the second quarter, before things kind of fell apart and they had no quarterback. So you put Lamar Jackson there, and I know they have Trey Lance, so that's probably what they're going to go with. But again, all these teams would be better. The Tennessee Titans, I mean, Lamar Jackson and Derrick Henry, I mean, what a that would be awesome. The Indianapolis Colts have been trying to figure out quarterback ever since Andrew Luck retired. You put Lamar Jackson there, all of a sudden they're the best team in that division. And they win that division and maybe win a playoff game or two. So there's a lot of teams that would be a lot better off if they had Lamar Jackson. Those four are my best fits. But there, again, there's probably 20 teams that would be better off having Lamar Jackson. And especially those four, but a lot of teams. Look, two first-round picks I know are very valuable. But if you're going to have a franchise quarterback for 10 to 12 years, that's worth it. And yeah, is 200 to $240 million guaranteed worth a lot of money? Yeah. If you know, a franchise quarterback for 10 to 12 years, it's probably worth it. So that's Lamar Jackson. Stick with us here on Coach Time. It's just going to be a quick word from our sponsors. And then I'm going to come back and try to figure out what's wrong with the Boston Celtics. Thank you to our sponsors for that quick word. And the Boston Celtics. They've been the best team in the NBA most of the year. And tonight, I'm recording this on March 8th. Tonight, they play the Portland Trailblazers, and they're trying to snap 
a three-game losing streak, and they've lost four of the last five. Their losses, they have two to the Knicks, one to the Cavs, one of the Nets. They're now two games back of the Milwaukee Bucks for first place in the Eastern Conference. And look, I said a couple weeks ago, I would rather the Celtics be healthy and rested and have to play a game seven on the road than go all out for the number one seed, get it, but limp into the playoffs or not be fully healthy and rested come the conference finals or the NBA finals. And I still strongly believe that. However, there's a difference between resting guys and not getting the one seed and playing poorly for a week and not getting the one seed. And I know it's only a week, but they haven't been quite the same. Really, it feels like over the last month and a half or so. And this week, it really came to a head. They had big leads in the three losses in a row that they've had. 28-point lead versus Brooklyn, they lose. Right? They had a 14-point fourth quarter lead against Cleveland, lose. That's unacceptable. And it's really frustrating. And the other thing that's frustrating is in all three of those losses, they allowed someone on the other team to have a huge game. Mikhail Bridges had 38 points for the Nets. The Nets scored 115 total, by the way. The Knicks put up 131 points total. Yeah, I know it's overtime. 131 points total, quickly had 38. The Cavs put up 118. Donovan Mitchell had 40. So they've been giving up a lot of points, and I know some of it's overtime, but they've also been giving up big individual performances, which I think is a big problem. So what's going on with the Boston Celtics? I think part of it is, the starting lineup does not have enough experience together. They've only played 81 minutes together. They have a negative net rating together. And that's continuing because Robert Williams has been out with a hamstring issue. Al Horford is needed to rest. Tatum has been was out against the Cavaliers. Jalen Brown just recently came back from that facial fracture, and he's looked pretty good. But I think right now the Boston Celtics have too many moving parts. Like Derek White is great. He needs to play more in crunch time. I like Marcus Smart. I think he is the heart of the team. But I think Derek White has been objectively better all season, and he's been better in crunch time all season. So if you're Derek, if you're Joe Missoula, you can play Derek White more, especially in crunch time. I think that makes a big difference. And I think they need to tighten up on the defensive end. Last season, they went to the finals, and I think there was two major things midway through the year that caused them to go to the NBA finals. One, Ime Udoka shortened his bench and only played seven guys most of the rest of the way which was not good for the rest aspect of it, and I don't want Joe Missoula to do that. But the other thing was they really bought fully into defense and making that their identity, and I think that is what they need to do here. So, look, I'm fine with taking threes. I'm fine with them outscoring teams and just you know scoring a lot of points and having great offense, but they've been too lax on the defensive end. And I think they've – and part of that we've seen, they've allowed these big games, these big scores, these leads to evaporate. And part of it, too, like if I'm being honest, it's – March, they know they're good. They know they're going to make a deep playoff run and their foot's off the gas pedal a little bit. I mean, I think if these were playoff games and they're up 28 against Brooklyn, they're going to win that game. And they're up 14 points to Cleveland in the fourth quarter. They're going to win that game in the playoffs. So I, I don't want to panic here and I'm not panicking, but the regular season's got about three weeks left. The Celtics need to get back on track because they need to enter the playoffs playing good basketball, especially Brooklyn and the Knicks. Those are teams they could play in the first round, especially Brooklyn. That could be their first round matchup. So they need to go into the playoffs play. They're not going to play a scrub in round one. No, they're going to be better than whoever they play. Take Brooklyn, for example. Yeah, they're way more talented than Brooklyn, but Brooklyn has good players. They made the most out of those Kyrie and Kevin Durant trades, and they're scrappy, and they are not going to be put away. You have to go out there and take it from them. They're not going to give up. So I think the Celtics need to recommit on the defensive end, 
try to get this starting five, the true starting five, more minutes together as they go into the playoffs. Balance that rest piece, because again, I'd rather them be the two seed and rested and healthy than the one seed limping in. But try to get those guys more minutes together so that way they can at least hit the ground running come the playoffs. Because, yeah, I think they'll get through round run anyway, but some of the taking the foot off the gas pedal, you do that in the conference finals, you do that in the NBA finals, that's how you lose. And you not just lose games, but you lose series. Last thing I want to get to, World Baseball Classic. I'm excited for it. It's underway now. And what I think is cool is the amount of MLB players that are taking part in the World Baseball Classic. Before, it felt like some countries took it really seriously. Some didn't. America was definitely one of those that didn't. Now we're seeing a Dominican squad loaded with MLB players. We're seeing a Netherlands squad with Xander Bogarts and legit MLB talent. We're seeing a Japanese team with legit MLB players, Shohei Otani, arguably the best player in baseball on that team. And now the U.S. is taking it seriously. We see Mike Trout. We see Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt. These are rosters that are loaded. I'm really excited, and I think it's huge for the growth of the game. I think these new rules are going to be great, and I'm going to talk about that more in a couple weeks in my MLB preview, but the new rules, I think, are going to be great for baseball. I also think having a World Baseball Classic that is fun and engaging is a great lead-in to opening day because opening day is always going to get good ratings, but if you have a great World Baseball Classic and a good opening day, that will keep people around in April and May and even into the summer because, let's face it, a lot of baseball fans watch on opening day. They watch again in October. That's your casual baseball fan. Maybe the game here and there in the middle, the Sunday night game or the game they go to, but you know they watch opening day, handful of games in the middle in October. You have a good World Baseball Classic and a good opening day with all these new rules, you might keep more people around longer to watch more games. Ratings go up. And again, as we know, baseball is more dependent on other sports than gate revenue, but ratings are still the biggest thing when it comes to revenue overall and growth of the sport. So I think the World Baseball Classic is a great thing. I'm really excited for this year's hell. I might even spend next week's episode, at least part of it, reviewing the early part of the World Baseball Classic because I do think it's a lot of fun and should be a great event and a great lead-in to the baseball season. Well, that does it for coach time today. I, I had to get that Lamar Jackson stuff off my chest. Those four teams, it's a no-brainer. Detroit, Atlanta, Las Vegas, and the Jets. Go all out. Get Lamar Jackson. Make yourself a Super Bowl contender, not just now, but for the next six or seven years. And the Boston Celtics, don't panic, but you got to get back on track now, right? Stop. You know, And I don't want to say screwing around, but let's stop screwing around and get back on track. And the World Baseball Classic. Should be fun for all of us. Always a pleasure talking sports with you folks. Feel free to send me any questions or comments. You can find me on Twitter at the Real John Lions. Always happy to interact uh, or answer questions here on the pod. I'll be back next week with an NFL free agency kind of early review and maybe a look at the World Baseball Classic as well. And hopefully by then the Celtics will be on track. But that does it for Coach Time. I'm John Lyons here on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time.